Welcome back, Cough Combine listeners. We're here with episode 96. And today I thought I'd get someone else in from Cough Combine to have a bit of a chat with me while Tony's away. So today I've got Sean in. Um, I've introduced him on a podcast before. But what we're going to do today is give you a bit of background on what happens behind the scenes at Cough Combine and Co. I think uh, Tony's the showman and I think Matt's the showman as well. And, and they stand out and they give the advice. But there's a lot of work that goes into the background. So Sean, welcome Thanks, Jamie. I'll try and do a bit of justice to the work we do behind the scenes. Yeah, well, we'll cover off a few things. Um, and I think, yeah, these are the little things that clients sometimes don't see. Um, they do get a lot of the information, and but there's a lot that goes on file and a lot that happens in the background before we come to, I, I guess, the advice that we present a client. Um, we can look at it one way and, and, you know, Tony's knowledge and Matt's knowledge in, in going through this with a client is always there and sets the foundation. But, yeah, they can go very a different path and as we have sort of individualised and personalised advice, um, there's a lot that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we going straight into it. Start yeah, let's, let's start. So I'll, I'll let you fire away, but let's let's talk about client discovery. Um, so you're sitting with Tony in client discovery and he's meeting and greeting a client. So what happens after that when it comes down to client's information? Yeah, we can sort of happen a few different ways. It might They might have a really sort of clear idea of what they want to address of their own goals prior to the meeting. Um, so post that, so that meeting, you're going to discuss those and, and try to flesh those out. And then after that, um, yeah, we'll go into the client discovery phase. Usually a lot of contact between myself and the client um, and kind of getting all the inputs that we need for their advice. Um, yeah. I find that often areas can arise even after the meet and greet meeting where um, clients will discover areas of advice that they need that they weren't potentially aware of, um, yeah. things like, refinancing that they weren't aware that their the rate they were paying on their loan maybe maybe wasn't a great one and we can help them there but a lot of different areas to try to get all the inputs that we need to go ahead and create really comprehensive advice that you know isn't going to leave anything untouched and um, cover their their full situation yeah i think i think a funny one is and what i found with clients is they have super funds that they didn't even know existed um, until they actually have to start looking Uh, and what a lot of people don't know and, and the work that you do is a lot of these people actually do have insurances within their existing superannuation accounts. Yeah, that's a really big one. Um, the default cover on a lot of funds is is almost always there, and more often than not, they're not aware that it's there. Whether it's whether they need to keep it and they can't afford to close that fund, or whether they should cancel it because they they've got insurance elsewhere or they don't need it, um, and that's just eating away at their balances. So that's a really big one. I think that uh, we're often on the phones to the, the fund managers getting that information as we need it yeah and i think behind like behind that as you were saying is is sometimes clients don't know that they're paying the fees um, but also if there's been a medical condition and that's where that sort of deep diving into a client's account is important um, and that's why that information needs to come across to us uh, and my, my favorite is how backwards we are not we but the industry um, with needing a third party authority so that we can talk to the fund manager on those accounts they still need to be hand signed and you know it needs to be a pretty manual way to get that from because they're all different yeah some some are definitely better than others um not going to throw any specific (laughs) funds under the bus but some can be a real a real pain to try to get the information that we need um but either way we've got to do that to be able to to really have an idea of the client situation because often like you said they may not be fully aware themselves of all the intricate details yeah, and we'll, we'll touch on a little bit of it later as well when we sort of talk about the funds management side of things um, and around fees. But 
Look, as you said, client discovery, it's about getting as much information off the client as possible. Um, it's about making sure the client's aware that, you know, the, I say, I guess the cleaner data that they give us and, and the most up-to-date data they can give us um, can really help with the advice along the way. Yeah, like you touched on at the start, Tony, and that that's unbelievable and have all the knowledge in the world, but at the end of the day, the quality of the advice can often be uh, improved or or can only reach its, its full potential based on the quality of the inputs. And that's um, the feedback we get from clients, the, the input and the, the information that we get from them. Clients advice, yeah. So look, we'll move on. So you're doing the discovery and, and we do have great clients and, and that's when people really get engaged. And I think it opens our eyes up to, as you said, areas they didn't know of. We're paying high interest rates and things like that. And we didn't know our funds were sitting here. We sort of don't know the fees that we're paying. but. We're sort of working to the strategy there, and this is where you work closely with Tony. Um, so, you know, Lucy in um, Sydney is working closely with Matt, and we also have Josh here. But you sit down and you go through a strategy with Tony, and he never talks products. Um, you know, Tony's mind is never product, um, and he never thinks about it, and he never has to think about it because it always comes down to strategy. But in the background, when that strategy is there and you're modeling it, you have to sort of consider product in your role, don't you? Yeah, it's really great. It's- it's important. It, it comes into play and it has its place. Yeah. Um, although it will never, it won't dictate what the strategy is. Yeah. Um, but it's absolutely a tool that you use to implement the right strategy. And so, uh, yeah, Tony will have sort of less to do on picking the product. Um, that's where I might go away, do a bit of work comparing a bunch of products to see what one is going to best allow the client to, to meet their goals and yeah. to implement the strategy that we need to. But Tony's very much. Um, the king of the strategy. Yeah. So let's let's talk about insurance. Um, I think this is always an interesting one because, you know, I think people can ring up their I select online and they sort of get given a product straight away. But in the background and what we do, um, we're, we're looking at insurance product and we're looking at insurance strategy, sorry. Um, when considering where to place that insurance and how we're going to place that insurance, what sort of happens in that area? Yeah, so we'll compare the different insurance products. Um, that's kind of the final step that we'll do, though. Yeah. Firstly, it's about determining what the client actually needs from an insurance perspective. Um, do they have dependents? Do they have debt, liabilities, or other liabilities? Um, different things like that. What type of insurance or type of policies are going to be best suited for them? Yeah. Um, based on different working situations, how they might impact an income protection policy. Yeah. Uh, and then... From that, we'll, we'll nail down exactly what they require. And then once we know what they need, then we can go and compare the different. Then we might go and look at products and start comparing, you know, 10 plus products and saying which one, because all these providers exist. So they obviously have their own niches and their own specialties, um, whether it be around sums insured or, or beaches, things like that. Yeah. And so we'll go back and compare those to see, again, which, which product is going to best enable the client to uh, meet their goals if their goal is just to be appropriately covered. Yeah, and I guess that links back as well, and, and this is where we're sort of talking to our clients that they really need to sort of give us that information. But uh, you worked on a case recently um, where a client, we were reviewing their insurance um, and we were seeing sort of what they needed from there, but they'd actually had a medical condition um, or an incident that they had five years ago that they'd never actually disclosed to an ex- existing advisor that we picked up on. Um, do you want to explain that sort of situation that happened there? Yeah, that was an interesting process, I think, from start to end. So it was actually Tony was having a discussion with the client and off the cuff they'd mentioned something that had happened to them five years ago. And Tony said, hang on, you've got this type of policy under the features because we always offer 
premium policy. Yeah. Like Tony big in saying that I would rather have a reduced cover amount but improved features to make sure that those policies actually pay out. Um, under this type of policy, you may have a case to make a claim here. Um, and then that sort of came across my desk and was following that up and after a, a pretty fairly easy, surprisingly easy process, the client ended up getting a, a partial payout of their policy. Yeah. Um, and so this was something that happened five years ago. The client hadn't really thought about it since because thankfully they recovered and, and they're in uh, much better health these days. But uh, looking back, it was almost a, a free swing at it. Yeah. And, and so that that's where that discussion can bring up things that you, you didn't even know you needed or were, were able to get. Um, I know the client was very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, and I think at that start process and when you have a client coming on, um, it's really about diving into that and, and talking about sort of past medical conditions um, and knowing that upfront because, as we said, when we're looking at where to place that insurance or their insurance needs, um, that's a really important part because they may have exclusions um, and we may have to keep that cover somewhere else. Yeah, and there's times where a client has had something that they may be slightly concerned about that might prevent them from getting cover. Uh, we'll go and do all the all the work getting around to the providers going, hey, this has happened previously. Can we do a bit of a pre-assessment so that it would be, still be worth a client following on with the underwriting um, and always never cancelling policies until the new ones are in place? That's that's a pretty important one that I've always heard from, from every planner I've ever worked with. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the funds management side of things, The I guess the sexy side of things. No one sort of wants to talk about insurance, <laughs> but we're going to have Josh in here, here for this part as well. Um, but we're not going to talk about uh, specific funds or products or, or anything like that um, and no investment advice in this with you and I, especially that either of us are authorised at the moment. <laughs> but when we're doing the funds management, and I mentioned it before, especially around the asset allocation and the research that you do. Um, so when we've got an existing fund, what's sort of the work that goes into sort of looking at that fund and looking at appropriate changes that need to happen? I guess uh, looking first of all, if the the product is going to work, if the underlying investments are suitable, how it's invested. So like you said, their asset allocation, um, and it's it's often a big one, does that align with their level of risk that they need to be taking on? Is that going to best enable them to, again, meet their goals? And so uh, I know we always have a bit of a vent sometimes with these these funds that can say they're in a balanced portfolio, but they're 99% growth. Yeah. Um, and that's a high level of risk. That's a much higher level of risk than they probably think they're taking on. And so really nailing into, yeah, really around risk profile, um, where they're at, is it suitable for them? And then eventually come, getting into product, are the investments still suitable? Um, are they certified and, and approved by um, the experts like Josh? Who <laughs> yeah. the but and the research house is there. Yeah. With, with that, and I guess this comes down to the next part of our modeling as well. Um, we were just talking about a client uh, two minutes ago, just before we started the podcast, and we were saying that we, they were 35-year-old clients um, and we were looking at their future, um, and they have goals for their future. And you, you use an annualised return of about 7%, so not taking extreme risk or anything, and they were going to well and meet their goals into the future. Um, you know, if they kept at it with their income and things like that in what they wanted to achieve. So this is where the modelling comes and the work that you come in to, to have that discussion with the client. Yeah, so that's the modelling tools that we use. Um, I love, since I've started here, I really enjoy getting stuck into those. It's really interesting and it lets us bring everything together. So we can factor in new insurance premiums, um, your living expenses, how that's going to obviously have a negative impact on your financial position, but then 
your investments, your returns, how that can work to boost your, um, your financial position over time. Yep. And that modeling is really powerful, especially when you're looking at someone in their 30s, 40s, 50s, in 10, 20, 30 years, um, how they're going to look overall. Um, if their goal is to retire at 65 with X amount of income, are they on track to do that? Or do we need to maybe take on a little bit more risk to yep. try and increase their returns? Are they well and truly fine and they can potentially take a little bit less risk? Um, things like that where the modelling lets us really project out into the future and try to get a, a tangible image of, hey, like this is how it's going to help you achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, it's really powerful, the tool. And I think what I found interesting was that, you know, when you were talking about taking that extra risk to see it in a way that you can sort of just change just change one point, two points, whatever it is, um, and to see the difference that that can make to someone's life um, and income per year, it really can just be minor tweaks. Um, and this is where it's important when we talk about the data. It might be minor tweaks that make a massive difference within 10 years for the client. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we can see a lot of different scenarios. It's, it's really flexible, that tool. We can start to incorporate, hey, do you want to look at buying an investment property? Do you want to um, do a whole bunch of other things? Go on a holiday each year, spend 50 grand on that. How that's going to impact your good holiday. How that's going to impact your position at age 100. Yeah, and it can be different times. Like when we talk about goals per client, a client's goal might be to spend 10 grand on a holiday per year, um, and that's showing the client, you know, this is what it's going to do to your future if you do that holiday. Or it might be taking a $15,000 holiday every two years and spending a bit. Like those adjustments can actually happen, and clients' goals can change, and we can really sort of help guide them on their way through to that. But what are your thoughts around, and, and do you enjoy the sort of, bringing it back to the start here, I'm sort of jumping back, but how do you enjoy the goal setting with clients and sort of really fleshing them out? Yeah, it's interesting. It's It's been a big focus in the industry for the last few years, and at times it's been challenging because there's always, a, if I hear the acronym SMART one more time, like <laughs> from university through to the years, the experience in the industry, it's, it's uh, played to death a little bit, um, but it does... It does flesh out your discussions a little bit more. Like, I know Matt's great at this. He got up on the whiteboard with us and started talking goals for a little bit. And it was, it opened my eyes a bit to, hey, I don't just want to be rich. That's not a goal. Yeah. Like, be specific and measurable, attainable, yeah. all of those things uh, to really flesh out your discussions and ask that underlying question of why. So, if you want a specific income or you want a specific level of wealth, why do you want that? What do you want to achieve with that? What's your goal and your legacy going to be? Um, and so that's where I think the discussions really become important where you'll ask clients their goals and then there'll usually be a follow-up question to try to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and that can often, again, highlight areas where we didn't even know there was advice required. Um, and all of a sudden we're, we're helping the clients really hit that underlying, um, yeah, goal of theirs. Yeah. Yeah, I think the goals one's always been an interesting one and something that I, I bang my head against the wall a little bit. You know, sometimes the, the client, what they were trying to achieve doesn't necessarily have to be this specific goal yeah. um, in, in growing, but I, I, it does open that conversation. And it really, you can see the client's mind start to tick that, oh, I never even thought about that or, you know, what do I want? What are my values? Um, and, you know, it even changes the way people want to invest. We have some people that, you know, are really ethical in the way that they want investing um, and we have to look into those certain things. And I think that's what's great about Kofka and Bond is it's not, as I said, that the product doesn't determine the advice. Um, it's about understanding the goals of the client and working through those strategies. 
yeah, I've, I've never, I've yet to see a goal or the clients where they come in and I want to invest my money in this product. Yeah, I've actually, I've seen it once. I've seen it once. We, we had a client that specifically called and was an insurance lawyer <laughs> and she had to get, she wanted an insurance product that she couldn't get. She could only get it through an advisor and that was, that was a really weird one. She's like, no, I want this product and... <laughs> You know, we still did the research and provided options. And so, no, no, seriously, I want this product. So that's probably the only time. But yeah, I, I do think the Kafka bond doesn't doesn't work on a product stage. No, definitely not. Um, from the advice, what what other areas do you sort of look at? I guess when we're talking about implementation now and and getting to oh, actually, sorry, I have I have I've skipped a step here. We've done the research, we've put together with Emily, we've put together the advice, um, and she's fantastic at putting together those documents and making sure um, the compliance is at the top standard um, to really ensure that for the clients. But presenting a strategy um, and working through the options with the clients, um, what happens in those sort of meetings? Yeah, so Tony and often myself or Josh will sit down with the client and work through the statement of advice, which it's a lengthy, wordy document. Um, and so that can often, if you just give that to the client and they've got to read it end to end, that's not going to really do too much for them. Um, so we'll take them through, explain things as we go, and I find that step really important. Um, I think the more they understand what their strategy is and how it's going to benefit them um, and exactly why we're doing what we're doing, the more buy-in you get and the more your future advice um, will will be suitable. Yeah. Um, and so that, that step's really really good. It's uh, a little chance to show off the work that we've done over the past few days or, or weeks, however long it's been. Um, and that, yeah, it can hopefully it sets the client's mind at ease to say, hey, we are we are going to hit your goals here. We are going to be on track to, to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Yeah, I think there's some key parts in that statement of advice. And again, as you said, it's a lengthy document. I think there's industry work to try and get it down as much as possible because I guess there's a lot of disclaimers in it um, realistically from, from the governing bodies, but there is key parts in that. And we do like to go through with the clients so they understand, you know, we do like them to understand their product fees. Um, it's amazing, like, you know, something I've always noticed here is clients have never known what they're paying before. Uh, and it's great to open their eyes to say, hey, look, this, this is actually the fees that you're paying right now. And this is where we can help reduce those fees. Um, and, and clients love seeing that to, to actually open their eyes to things that they didn't know before. Um, and I actually think it's educating clients and they do become more educated and they actually start to understand the advice that they've been given. Um, and that allows more questions to be asked in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it's still that back and forth. I think I was reading a section in SLA the other day and it said your role in this relationship is communication. Um, and so that's probably the, not the first, but the, the crucial part of that communication is that presentation stage so that they can um, have an understanding. And if they don't understand something to say, hey, why are we doing this? Um, and we can hopefully try to explain things to them. Yeah. I think that's sorry, not necessarily at a technical level, but just so they understand the overall um, what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's important for a client. Sometimes sometimes people will sit there and they've got a question and they're, they're sort of, they don't want to ask it um, for, for whatever reason it is. But I think it's important to have that feedback with clients and that open line of communication because the greater it's explained and if there's areas that they don't understand, um, it's just great to have a clear picture going forward. Yeah, definitely. And my favourite, well, I'm all their clients, but the, my favourite ones are the ones who maybe ask a question here or there, show they're actively invested in it. Well, they are literally invested in it. Um, <laughs> but show that they're involved and, and 
really sort of paying attention to what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So the last part is we move on to, you know, I know a lot of clients feel like clients that come to see us and come to see Tony and Matt um, continue on us with clients. So they haven't seen many leave at that point ever. Um, and so they're, they're invested into the advice and we move that to Patricia now. And there's plenty of work that goes in the background with her, isn't there? Yeah, Patricia um, keeps his place moving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's uh, very diligent and um, just knows just knows everything really. It's, yeah. um, it seems like I lean on her a lot uh, and she's great with communicating with the clients. Um, she's always following things up and, and yeah, just diligent in what she does going and making sure that she actually reads every SLA cover to cover just so that she can understand what the strategy is so that if there's a certain order that things need to be done, she's understanding of that and knows exactly why it needs to be done in this order so she can stay on top of the different funds or products to make sure that everyone's doing things the right way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's fantastic. She and I, I agree with you. She makes this place keep going. And if we didn't have her, we'd be in trouble. No, <laughs> we would. But Sean, I appreciate your time today. Um, I, I do want to cover off that that whole process that a client goes through. Um, what do you think the most, the three most important parts are? Bit about this is a this is a question. Yeah, this is this is the on the spot, and we've we've got some notes. But I want I want from your view, and when you're sitting there through the meetings, what is actually. I'll, I'll change that a bit. What are your sort of highlights in those meetings? What are the three parts that you really enjoy and, and you can see it in the clients that they really enjoy that are important parts? In the, in the meetings? In the meetings and I guess in the back office as well. Yeah, in the meetings, um, I like when clients have a, a concern um, and then we can fix that concern or we can address that concern and often it's things that they didn't think were fixable. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking back to a, a meeting the other day where the client said, oh, off, off the cuff, they mentioned, oh, I can't really give any, any specifics, but they said, oh, we're a little bit concerned about this, but, you know, obviously we're just, we're going to have to cop that. That's, that's um, you know, that's unfortunate. And Tony said, oh, actually, we can we can fix that. There's something, there's a way to work around that. We can we can fix that, basically. And the client was, you could just see on their face, they were very relieved about that. And it wasn't something that they'd ever come into the meeting to have fixed. They'd yeah. come in about some other things and it was just a bit of a bonus. So... Um, that was pretty good being able to set their mind at ease about that. Um, I guess as far as behind the scenes, I enjoy getting that strategy um, developed and like like I said with the modelling, being able to see how that will play out in the future. Yeah. Um, being able to look forward and, and figure out if the strategy is suitable or if there may be some difficulties with it, maybe um, some complications or some things that we'll need to take into account and trying to come up with um, some strategies or some some things that we can do to try to, to get around those or to fix those. Um, yeah, they're probably the two areas that I, I enjoy the most personally. Yeah. Uh, look, mate, I, I, I enjoy it all as well. And I, I love watching the back office hum because it, it's such a big machine that's moving um, and there's so many intricate parts. It's, it's interesting, we, we went over our full process and the way that works and, and to have that flow working. And it's crazy the amount of little things that happen in a day um, that go towards, you know, one piece of advice. Even if it's as simple as, you know, investing a tiny bit of money, um, just the amount of detail and research that goes into that for every client, um, I think it can't be understated. And, and our clients do appreciate that, you know, when I talk to them and they can't, when, when they actually get the advice and they listen to the strategy, I think sometimes they're sort of amazed by what goes in the background um, and the actual detail that Coffin Bond go into. So I think it's a credit to the team um, and yourself, especially you've jumped straight in, but it, it's been a good ride so far.
Thanks, Jamie. Cool. All right, mate. Well, I appreciate your time today, and we'll uh, we'll have you on another one soon. Cheers. <laughs>